Good midnight when this episode is being released. I'm Dakota. I'm Chorcy. And welcome to Keep It 100, where we give you 100 penguin facts in 30 seconds. <laughs> Chorcy is going to start. Chorcy, go. Penguin fact now. Did you know that there are eight types of penguins in Antarctica? That is wrong. <laughs> All right. Wow, we'll make some shit up. <laughs> I, I had a whole episode where I talked about penguins and Chorcy obviously retained none of that. Bro, you want to know how bad it was that I didn't listen to you that episode? When I edited the episode, I didn't listen to you talk about it. I skipped over it. Well, I'm going to get every single type of penguin to come to your house and kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like Mr. Popper's penguin style, they'll be following me around. Man, I I would love like a little a, a gaggle of penguins just follow me around town. That'd be perfect, man. Like me and my bitches, but it's just like all my penguins in my little Honda Civic. I'd be Civic. so happy. Oh, I, I mean, you know me. I, mean, I got a fucking penguin tattoo. I'd be living the dream. Like, oh, uh, I would teach them how to steal. <laughs> yes, you would. Of course, you would. <laughs> yeah, I'd be good. Nice, nice. I bet people are confused why we do this every single episode because we record multiple episodes in a session. So why does it feel like every episode starts just as chaotic? <laughs> it's because we're really cool and people want to be like us. <laughs> we just don't know what the fuck we're doing. And it's like, we'll get there at some point. It's usually yeah. around, if you want to fast forward like minute seven, that's usually around a time we get to that point. How, how about you be fucking patient, listeners, and listen to us, like, have fun as friends, okay? Yeah. Yeah! So you don't have friends, that's why you listen to a podcast and pretend we're your friends. We'll, we'll be your friends for today, okay? Oh, my Cry God. baby. <laughs> so you want to get more <laughs> listeners by attacking our listeners? Okay. This is, look. This is a swell idea. Look. I am an aggressive friend. I'm very passionate about... You're passion. not an aggressive Stop. friend. You don't fight. I'm trying to get us listeners. I'm trying to get us listeners. I... Oh, I'm a... Like... I'm a good friend. Yeah, I don't mean like an aggressive friend. Like, I don't fight. No, I meant like... I feel like in our friendship, I have a presence where it's like, oh, you know when Dakota is around. That's just annoyance. That's not aggressive. Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> So, a huge difference. <laughs> anyway, I call it one thing. Choicey makes it hurtful. <laughs> what matters is, if you for a podcast, we'll be your friends for the next hour. But after that, don't text me. Don't call me. Don't FaceTime without an appointment. I'll be your friends. I'll be your friends on Monday at midnight. All right? <laughs> Don't listen any other time because it's a schedule. We list you listen to it as soon as we drop it. Actually, please don't do it. listen to us whenever. We love you. We appreciate you. <laughs> also, you do realize. So I don't know if you know this about the upload side. Um, so it has a little squiggly line where it says like around midnight. You mean approximate? Around midnight. <laughs> <laughs> the circumference of midnight. So sometimes it's like twelve fifteen, twelve twenty. Uh, they can wait. It's never exactly at midnight. It's just whenever it decides to. We but like also, to that's, I can, that's us. That's us. <laughs> I can also purposely change to. this episode to be like, this will be on Tuesday at nine p.m. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
I just did Monday because I figured it'd be nice at like that's how you start your work week because people feel like Mondays are like rough days to get through. So like have a nice laugh when you go to work. Make it know? worse. Listen to us. Yeah. We it's like uh, it's when Spotify drops your uh, Discover Weekly. So you Discover Weekly and then uh, us two yahoos. Bro, I just realized we didn't even talk about this in the last episode. We should have celebrated it. That was our 10th episode. Hey, welcome to the 11th episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, Where we're, we're number one twice. No. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I hate it. I hate it. Today, we are going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some of my frustrations with current events. Um, I'm going to go a little bit into politics here. We're not going to be attacking the theme. We're just talking about my frustrations some things of course all that jokes as i do but just my frustration to be like a different sort of episode so recently uh governor out of texas had ended the mask mandate right so something that frustrates me is um you know george and I, we both i didn't go up there like spent a lot of time in Ohio. ohio what did i say ohio i don't know <laughs> we spent a lot of time in ohio uh-huh. Um, he grew up there. He spent most of all of his life up until the past year there. Yeah. <laughs> and I went there for college, right? And then I have a lot of family from Ohio. And that's where my dad's own family is from Ohio. Um, it's a red state. Oh, that makes sense. But, um, so even if I don't affiliate with that, I understand a lot of, like, where they're coming from and why they vote the way that they do. Um, so my frustrations with a lot of I'm be specific, like establishment Democrats and liberals is that they will write off some of the people living in red states and generalize those that live there and ignore the effects of gerrymandering and voter suppression. As you and I know, Ohio is a lot more purple than people make it out to be. It's a swing state for a reason. Um, you know, most of the most, if not all, of the larger cities are blue. There's a lot of the country that's red, and like the smaller suburbs. Columbus is blue. Cleveland's blue. Grand Columbus is still like. Yeah, I think Columbus, one of the highest. Cleveland, and Cincy are all blue, right? Mm-hmm. But everything in between is not. Yeah, I mean, there's the suburbs and like, you know, uh, the country, the farms. It's just... But it's the proportion of the number of people in those blue areas that almost evens out to make exactly, it a yeah. red. Yeah, so it's very, it's a very purple state. And I'm not going to ignore the fact that Columbus has, I think, one of the highest rates of, um, you know, cops killing black people, but we'll just, as we saw this past summer and other times. So, you know, we know that not every blue city is the best, but where this goes is where establishment democrats and some liberals will hide behind the fact like oh you know what well, we're all about this social reforms and like we know we have these moral values that make us and we used to put themselves on a pedestal of superiority and then mm-hmm. kind of victim blame people living in red states and write people off like there were a lot of tweets like when you know some red governor's representatives were handling covid very poorly being the pandemic a lot of people were dying and there's like snarky tweets from established liberals like older like millennial liberals of like oh like sips tea it's like georgia has like ten thousand whatever COVID deaths and then 
kind of writing off these people, knowing the fact that, you know, COVID disproportionately impacts minority communities because of the socioeconomic backgrounds of those areas. It may seem like, oh, you live in a red state. What's happening to you? You deserve. Like, you deserve what's coming to you because you because your state is red. And so it's something that, like, I want to address with, you know, this mandate by Governor Abbott. And if you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw a meme that I posted that I shared. It was like, Simpsons means, like, don't make me tap the sign. And it says, just because somebody lives in a red state and has horrible representatives doesn't mean they deserve to die of COVID. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, just because you live somewhere... You have shitty people representing you doesn't mean you allow those beliefs. And also, even if shitty beliefs, you don't necessarily deserve to die. I'm going to say, on a rare occasion, few people deserve to die. And that's going to say, like, mass murderers and terrorists and that range. Like, if you're responsible for a lot of death, then okay, maybe, yeah. But that's a whole different conversation. I don't think any one individual person, despite one individual person, unless they've done something, like, that's, I'm not going to go with that. But, like, you know, your average person doesn't deserve to die, right? Just because of where they live. So that's something I aggravate about. And then also, I think this really opened my eyes. Like, one, you know, knowing my family lives in the country. And actually, uh, Carrie Miller from OSU. Because mm-hmm. um, she's from Kentucky. Something like, I wait to a lot. It's like, I will... Something I've had to address with myself. It's easy for me to get aggravated about politics. That I will share stuff that kind of attacks Republicans. So like, suppose my mom and that Carrie kind of did is like, like I know I'm not. It actually really addresses with our episode last week um, about intemper's impact. Um, but like I know, I'm not saying like all Republicans. It's you know some Republicans. But it's my family might be like, oh, is the kind of blanket state statement things, or like when people like will write off people from the country as being like these hillbilly redneck caricatures, and you're doing a disservice, and. <laughs> when Democrats do that and then not understand why they don't get that vote. Right? It's like, oh, we're trying to help you. Well, so one, you're kind of offending a little bit with these caricatures and it's talking down with them and like, be like, oh, well, we're not elite liberals, but to some people, if you write people off in the country, you're going to sound like elite coastal mm-hmm. liberals by the way that you talk. Yeah. And it's like, you're writing off this population and not understand why they don't vote for you. Which leads to my further argument I told you about is now that the Democrats hold two branches of government and the legislative branch was arguably the most important because a lot of laws come back out of they have both houses. But now they make arguments about like, you know, professionalism and the rules and like, oh, we can't just do these things like with respect the laws of this. Why? Why do you have to respect it? If you have the powers, if you have the votes, do it. Do Republicans care about the rules of Congress or do they just let things go? How much shit did they get done the past four years? Like, Demo- like establishment Democrats are hiding behind these fake ideas of, like, tradition and rules and professionalism when the other party isn't doing that. And then they're going to lose seats in the midterm elections in a year and they're going to blame on progressives for being too forward with things. Do you know most Americans support some of the progressive ideas about getting that money to the underserved communities, when you write off these poor so-called like hillbillies and rednecks who actually do need this money, you're not going to get that vote because then Republicans use that against you and say like, oh, this person who talks down to you also didn't give you this money because they're respecting these like elitist politician ideas. Even if 
Republican politicians aren't what they describe themselves as, as like, you know, small town people and country and all about it. They have characterized themselves in a way that it works and they get to use you as a reason to vote for them because you're also not doing your job. So by you making these little arguments and tradition is just peer pressure by dead people, by the way. <laughs> see that. Traditions are stupid. It took a while for that to process in my brain. Traditions? When you hide behind the rules and don't get shit done, don't complain about progressives in the midterms when you lose. And that's my point. Is that like there's a lot of like you know, infighting for all of the issues that I see on the right in terms of their like morals and stuff. They're very good at voting as a block and staying united and getting shit through. Mm-hmm. You have these all the Democrats that who may have been progressive when they first came in, who are now just kind of upholding the status quo and really just getting in the way. And they're putting, they're making life worse and defending people who maybe shouldn't be defended and it's causing more problems and like shit's getting held up for what for formality <laughs> i hate it professionalism is stupid anyway i mm, okay uh, that's, so, that's just me being angry but professionalism no, no. in the sense of like no, no, that's like oh right. you have to act a certain way like you can't get upset like oh if you're oh that's what i hate is when you're not allowed to be emotional like passionate about something because people look down on you because you have feelings about things that's what i hate about professionalism is that you can quickly lose sight that people are people and that like the longer you wait to send others an unemployment and you know stimulus checks you forget that these like they're not votes they're people these are human beings mm-hmm. that you're fucking over and look at the death rate of like I don't know how many Americans it is at this point that have died of COVID. It's any either way, over it's an absurd half amount. A million. Over it's an fucking absurd amount of, of people. If COVID didn't happen, Trump probably could have won again because he killed his voters in the swing states by handling this poorly. Probably would have won Georgia if he didn't fuck over COVID. He just killed his voters. Like I should not laugh. That is a horrible. Time but look at the data. Time. Like look at look at the data. Like he. By handling it poorly, he lost himself the election because people died. As it pissed me off so much is that there is a disconnect with older politicians about like what people did they go through. That's like, oh, it's votes. Like, oh, you know what? Like, they know where they're for them, so they can wait. People can't wait. People have lives. A lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. The middle class is not what the middle class was in the 1950s and 60s. Like with the rate of inflation, people talk about minimum wage, all that. It's like this is crucial for like many many americans think about texas what happened the storm it's like do i like to make jokes about texans of course but also acknowledge that like a lot of people all across texas like you know freezing kids are dying babies are dying right or left that doesn't matter that's mm-hmm. like i'm not gonna be happy because a republican died right because it's still like an american I'm not going to really take joy in the fact that an innocent person died because of the political view. So it like really irks me. Even if it's like, even if I knew it's like, oh, you know, these people voted for Trump and then died of COVID. I'm not really going to be happy about that because it's 100% avoidable. But it really pisses me off when, you know, 
liberals will like do those tweets, those news stories, and then blame somebody else. Like you're using this as political piece and ignore the fact that those are 10 people. Those are families. Those are friends that are impacted. It's not just 10 people. That's thousands of people. And either way that could easily blue and then you'd react differently. But mm-hmm. to use people's deaths as like a political piece, it pisses me off regardless of their view. So I think that's something I'm trying to like think about with Abbott is like, this is in Texas. We have to remember that going forward is that when these COVID cases rise, as they will, we have to remember those are people too. And that could easily be anybody, especially knowing how <laughs> the direction America is going in, that shit could get crazy. And like blue states could turn red because Democrats aren't getting shit done. And like I said, at least Republicans will get stuff passed that like, we have to remember that when these cases happen again, you can't just say like, oh, you know what? You live there. You vote for these people. Because a lot of people probably didn't vote for Abbott. It's just gerrymandering and voter suppression. So There's a lot to unpack in everything yeah. you just said. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to make sure I got all of my points in my head here. But... I didn't realize the change I was going to go on, so I started talking. No, that's for, I mean, that's, that's the point of this. Uh, the first thing, there's something I wanted to recall back to was you were talking about the idea of professionalism really just being stupid um i don't know if you've ever thought about this but i I have felt this in my personal career and mind you it's probably because i'm black i've actually kind of found professionalism to be slightly racist oh and a thousand percent is (laughs) um in a sense of like it 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 almost seems to me as though professionalism is a concept that is constructed to make black people act white right act the proper way um you know, even if there's something that's morally morally wrong, something morally apprehensive is happening in this company you work for, where there's a certain way we need to have this conversation. There's a certain way you should talk to your ownership team. It's like, no, you're fucking up. What you're doing is wrong or illegal, and I'm going to call you out on it. Well, that's unprofessional. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't excuse the fact that what why, you're doing is wrong. Why do you think I love causing problems? Because I know... <laughs> I will say this, I am wrong sometimes, but when I like get really passionate about something, I know in my heart that like I, I'm not wrong about this. Like the things I get most pissed off about, I know I'm not wrong about. And I'm sure a lot of people think that, but like, especially if it's like a work-related thing or a politics-related thing, it's usually for, I get most pissed off about things that I feel are immoral or someone is getting like discriminated against or fucked up about. Like when something like a kid, like, People can, I think we talked about this before. I don't know about the podcast. Like people can kind of say whatever they want to me, do what they want. Like I, I just don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So like I have people that that love me. I think I'm funny. I think I'm funny. I'm cool as shit. Whatever. I'm so you kind of, you kind of do. I am my target audience. I just vibe and do whatever. You can get it pissy with me. Cool. You're not gonna ruin my day. If you're gonna ruin my day, it's gonna be because like you cut in front of me at the grocery store, so I had to wait like extra five minutes. Then I'm gonna get really pissed off, and then I'm gonna think you deserve the death penalty. But like. That's really it. Like, if you insult me, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, whatever. Cool, figure that out for yourself. Oh, honestly, like, because <laughs> you made that face. <laughs> I should never have superpowers because I'll use it at bad times. Like, somebody cut me off. I'm like, dead, dead, get him out. Oh, here goes that. <laughs> You're Megamind. Thing. Yeah, I would. Like, oh, you're I would not never, You're Titan from Megamind. <laughs> yeah, I would never use it evil. It would just be like that gut reaction. Like, someone pissed me off, like, dead. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, what I do? <laughs> I got to go. But um, with that profession, like like, we, like I talked about, I think, 
Yo, I did talk about this last week. It's like I like coming to bat for people when I work because like like I, it is it is very racist as a white man. Unless I have an absolute freak out moment and I'm throwing things, if I just raise my voice in a meeting, I'll still be professional. Like, oh, he's just passionate. But if you were to do it, be like, oh, oh, wow, I, I feel very uncomfortable. I feel unsafe, especially if you're stature. But even if I was your stature, they, I'd still be seen as like, oh, he's just passionate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've absolutely. I'd probably get been... promoted. Yeah, honestly. I mean, you actually you were there for one of those situations. Actually, you were here when it happened with my. Yes. Neighbor. Oh, yeah. And how I was accused of being unprofessional in that moment. And it was used in a way to try and de-escalate the severity of what had happened, right? And the fact that my integrity had been questioned over something that I was very clear about and had worked very diligently to make sure I communicated to the best of my abilities and then was thrown under the bus and wasn't happy about that. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I that the idea of professionalism for me is very different because professionalism is more of I, it's not even a safety net; it's a barrier. Like even like what you have to wear to be professional, it's not accessible for most people of color. Color, right? Like either our hairstyle doesn't work, the makeup we have to wear. I even with this new job, for example, one of the things that was suggested was get a ring light, right? And then was going back and reflecting through my education at Ohio State and realizing I never got any training of how to light my skin. That is, mm. Right? My lighting design class focused on, if you think about the mannequin we had, it was just a white mannequin on stage. Right? And that's what we were. I hated her. She scared me all the time. And now realizing it now that I'm trying to light my own skin and be like, I don't know how to take care of me. Right? That mm-hmm. disconnects. Um, so yeah, the, the idea of professionalism for me personally is racist because it's oh, very much rooted in, it's very much rooted in like classism and racism. Like think about like, you know, you like the civil rights or everything before that, like, oh, like even like nonviolent protests were looked down on. Like there's nothing still you can do. They, they still just, are, oh, wrong. still are. People getting in fusses, people losing their minds over taking a knee during a game. You're like, just play the sport. You're being unprofessional. It's a game. But that's because most, the sport. that's because the people yeah. they see on the screen are black. Exactly. Most of the athletes in the NFL are black. Exactly. Right. So it's that ownership of my black body. Who exactly. Really are getting political. I didn't realize. No. Yeah. But no, it's that ownership of because dance monkey, do what I tell you to do because that's you're a paid to. Say, what it is. You just get paid to throw this ball and do what I tell you to do. That's it. And the same thing rooted in yeah, and it's like. The best tactic that the ruling class ever came up with was to convince the poor white that any other ethnicity was their enemy. Because then they can they can alter their frustrations. Most, I'm not going some people are racist. They just are. A lot of times their frustrations about like being underpaid and having the jobs they want, the people in power have been able to effectively redirect that towards people other races because they're getting opportunities, right? Very, very easy for, you know, as the liberal would say, like this, like, you know, racist person in like Avalanche, Kentucky, who maybe did very, did very well in high school, got good grades, considering how underfunded their education program would be in rural America to not get a job or not get a slot at a top college because their high school wasn't as accredited as, say, a very rich 
um, first-generation Indian student who lives in San Francisco, whose family immigrated. It's very easy for that kid to... Because, like, he did everything he was supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. This poor white kid got straight A's. But, you know, there weren't the opportunities in his town. I'll say maybe it's old, like, mining town, right? A lot of those towns are dying because it's 2021. We're moving in a different direction, you know, as the energy crisis changes, right? Like, a lot of those towns are dying out. That's a reality for a lot of small-town America. It's very easy for that kid to try and find blame because he didn't really... He didn't really do anything wrong. He did the best with the cards he had. So if someone comes along and says, you know, oh, these immigrants are stealing our jobs. He's like, okay, well, I didn't get a job. So maybe that person's taking my job. Like this, this immigrant Indian kid is going to, you know, computer engineering. That's what I wanted to do. But now I can't get it. Well, just because, you know, he hears about affirmative action and stuff like that. It's very easy to create that argument. And for the, you know, the ruling class to get to underfund or underpay the Indian kid because he's a minority they get the advantage of like oh this kid's really smart and I get to pay him less because of the way our system is set up and that is a reality like you can look it up the the wage gap does exist you can say oh well there's laws where it's illegal there are so many things rich people do that are illegal that they get away with like murder it's only illegal if you get caught also they get caught all the time I, well, they I, just pay it for off me, caught means like actually prosecuted and they actually oh, care right. about Convicted. it right? yeah, yeah exactly so like <laughs> if it's a any crime that results in a fine is only a crime for the poor so a rich person can just pay it off mm-hmm. and often even if it results in a prison sentence you know rich get away with it because they have the connections you could literally rape somebody but if you are white and might have a future you can just get a six month sentence you know brock turner the rules are different for people that look like me and i think and again it's something i think so i don't i can't speak for everybody but for poor white people who have been taken advantage of it's hard to understand that because they don't they don't see that. They don't see the fruits of that. So he's like, well, I've done everything. Like, where is my white privilege? And I get that. But it's it's in the sense of generational wealth. It's in the sense that, like, it, it can be hard to accrue that, you know, that capital if you're from a more proletarian background. Right? Like, if you were farming your whole life, you only so much in farming because like oh it's just food right you're not running a business you're not doing all these things mm-hmm. and the rich want to keep their wasp club like there's how many movies are there of like poor white people who like finesse the rich white people like that still is a reality but there is a significant disconnect and I think it's when things I get like it's something hard for me because I'm talking about last episode I like meeting people with their energy getting upset that's not productive for these kind of conversations that's something I try to like relax with and be like, I understand where you're coming from, but like it's, it's A, B, and C. Yes. You may not be wealthy. You may not have these opportunities, but it's not because of the color of your skin that you're not getting these opportunities. That's where it comes from. There are plenty of poor whites. I get that. But not poor because they're white. A lot of people are poor because, you know, if they're first generation immigrants, people wouldn't rent to them. 
people to get their jobs. Like when slaves are free, there's a sharecropping, so they were still taken advantage of. I mean, the minimum wage and having to work for seven dollars twenty five cents, forty hours a week, and still not make ends meet is in a way a form of slavery. Prison labor is a form of slavery because they're literally working for cents. Big companies like Nestle are actually using slave labor in different countries. Like, slavery does exist and exists here in America. Just because it's outlawed in the 60s or 1860s, probably the 1960s too, was the Civil Rights Act. But like, just because it was outlawed doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like, you say, oh, well, the prisoners went to jail for that. Doesn't mean they have to work for that. Like, we have the worst turnaround. Because we're built poorly, because people won't put in the effort, because people make money off of it. Not as my take. Not as our, me keeping it 100. Our nation is founded and built on a principle of taking advantage of others. Our nation of itself is a get-rich-quick scheme. We're literally a colony! <laughs> that was the whole point! What do you we, mean America isn't racist? We're a colony! We were taking things over! Yeah. And if we, you want to say we have bad luck, we're literally built... The whole country's a Native American burial ground. What do you... Oh, goodness. Yeah. What do you but, mean it's not racist? The whole birth of the country is racist. Yeah. But I mean, but people don't want to admit that they. I. That's a very uncomfortable conversation, and I think what I experience a lot of lately, especially being in Indiana, um, people when that conversation comes up and race comes up, one of two things happens. Number one, I am the champion of my entire race, which I talked about this before multiple times. Please don't do that to any minority, black, any person of color, any. Uh, female presenting or any uh, non-conforming gender uh, any sexuality like that's not comfy because we all have different opinions even in our own communities so it's not okay for you as a white person to expect me to speak about the entire black community because that's not okay um, but two the other issue is that the white guilt kicks in so very quickly that in order to alleviate the tension of the guilt the response usually is, well, I didn't do it. It wasn't me, right? Because it's because it's that guilt by association, unfortunately, yeah. right? You're automatically guilty because you're white. And it's like, no, I, it's, I mean, I had this conversation a lot, especially when the riots started happening downtown. It's not something I ever thought I'd have to talk about as a manager of an escape room. Truly, I didn't think. But when I have people writing two blocks from where I work. Those conversations came up very quickly, you know? And, mm -hmm. you know, my staff is very white, uh, other than maybe two people at that time, including me, right? I so, say including excluding, because I, I can't name two that doesn't include you. <laughs> including, so including me, I think it was two. So it's, it's, and I mean from, like, ground level up to ownership. Yeah. I was the only person of color you know, at any management, like senior manager level, yeah. and then we had one assistant manager at a different location that was a person of color. That's it. At that time, at, this was at, happening. at the time, at the time this was happening. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That immediate because when when we are uncomfortable, it's a very basic reaction as humans when we're in a situation that makes us uncomfortable. We're going to try to alleviate that pressure and pain. 
in the quickest way possible. When we feel like all eyes are turned on us and we feel like we have been put on the spot or on trial for something and are accused of something, we're going to try our best to fight our way through it. It's one of the beautiful things about being human. We have that fighting spirit within ourselves. Unfortunately, it has become a common occurrence, I feel like, for us as Americans that that fighting spirit of trying to get rid of the the guilt or the blame on us is to push it on someone else because the fear of that the next question is so if i can't blame you who do i blame someone's responsible for this yeah it's the whole thing of like calling yourself the greatest country in the world and if you have to address those facts that makes the greatest mm-hmm. and which is funny that you say like because like you know situation living in indiana which is literally called that because it's the land of the Indians, which in itself is racist because they thought they were in India because Columbus didn't discover shit. Yeah, but I mean, I having those conversations with my ownership team where it was, how, you know, how do I fix this? How do we fix this? And it's like, I don't fucking know. I'm just as angry and pissed off as they are. Man, I'm 25. <laughs> you know, the difference is I might, I might, and the other thing was I'm not responding the same way. So that means I 100% disagree with what's happening downtown. No. <laughs> Stop assuming just because I'm not there, it doesn't mean I am for or against, right? I have my own way of processing, of understanding, and making decisions. Some people are quicker to react than others. Some people like to take their time and plan and figure out what their best course of action is. I had those conversations with a lot with my parents, a lot with my grandmother in particular, and felt like what I needed to do and what was my best way to kind of traverse those conversations, right? Um, And everyone handles it differently. I don't think any one answer is better or worse, to be honest, right? I understand the pros and cons of everything, of the more passive. I mean, it really comes out the whole Malcolm X versus um, Martin Luther King, right? Like the two different ideologies that are reaching for the same goal, but everyone has a different viewpoint of how we need to achieve. Both killed by the federal point. government. Uh, not so fun fact. Did you know MLK was killed on my birthday? Yep, I found that out by. This is a very weird tangent. I was in a math class in elementary school, and you had to like count the days like on a calendar. So that date was in the book in my textbook. And I saw it and I was like, there's no way. So I went home that day and I Googled it. And that's how I found out that, yep, my birthday is actually the day he was killed. Um, my birthday is the same day my grandpa was born. Oh, that's weak. <laughs> when you use your that's white privilege to cover up my depressing fact about my life. Good it's job. America, dude, I have to. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> this what the episode's about? No, but yeah. But yeah, they're both so, killed by the government, so. We forget so very quickly that we're all human. It doesn't, like, politics aside, we're all human first. I don't want anyone really to be killed. I don't want anyone to be murdered or die because of a virus, right? So it, for me, when it comes, especially when it comes to COVID, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, Tea Party, whatever the fuck. I don't. I want everyone to be safe and, and happy and healthy because we're all human. We all deserve that. That's a, that should, it's supposed to be a basic human principle for every person. And we get so tied up in these labels of 
you're red, so you're against me. You know, you're a Republican, so you're against me. When it's like, is that actually true? Is that actually true? Like, what does this person actually believe, right? Is it very well possible that they voted for this way because more of their ideologies align with what they want, with what they see in the national and mainstream media? But there is, in fact, no political candidate at this moment that aligns with every single ideology. Because guess what? That's every American who votes every year. There is no one. If you are someone of free will who does your own personal research, there is never going to be a candidate at any level that you 100% agree with. That's, again, the beauty of being human. That's the discourse of politics. I know that gets very, very touchy when it comes to, like, queer rights, when it comes to the Republican Party, and then, you know, this law camp and things like that, and I get it. I was going to say, I think think it comes down to, like, what are the hard lines for you? Because I I 100% get you. Because, like, you know, knowing my family, I know that, like, you know, that the people that might vote in certain ways, I know they... They're very LGBT friendly. Recently, don't they have? They're very like racially friendly, like based off like you know they grew up with some things. And then there's sometimes with the way they vote, I'm like, well, where are you? Because like, and it's one of my things. Like, where do you draw the line though? It's like because I, and it comes into personal beliefs. Like for me, I can't affiliate myself with the candidate that these types of people would support, who have said mm-hmm. these kind of things. I can get that maybe they affiliate with that they support these other things, but I'm also like, I'm doing the research. They don't back up that talk. Representatives aren't helping you out. Aren't helping you out. Like, Trump's trade tariffs with China did worse for farmers. They had to send out subsidies. So that's why you don't really see that. Like, because of the hard line deals he made with China, like, a lot of small farmers suffered, and they probably didn't see that as much. Or the economy didn't see that as much because they... Stimu- uh, they subsidized the farmers and like if you follow the money you'll see honestly as a very capitalist society if you follow the money you'll see where the faults and where things aren't working lie we underfund education we overfund the military industrial complex even Eisenhower warned about that like can't put a stimulus bill in but we can bomb Syria in a month like that's it kind of comes down to like I 100% agree like you're never going to find a candidate that 100% matches your view and because even if you do like say like you find somebody that perfectly matches your views that's not going to be the same candidate that matches all of my views right mm-hmm. so no American will ever if there ever is one person that matches all their views it's that person running who's voting for themselves because I doubt even their like partner or if they have one, matches their views or their parents, right? Like, it kind of comes down to like where your what are your hard lines? And that kind of goes into the personal life stuff too, in terms of like kind of going to the last week of um, you know, what are you doing with your life? You kind of kind of have like personal like directions. It's like, what are your what are your lines in the sand that like I'm not gonna get this bad. I'm never going to be here. And it kind of goes into politics, but yeah, I mean, and but there's also, I also know there are some people who don't have those hard lines, like and when it comes to those social issues, mm-hmm. that's not important to them because it doesn't affect them. Yeah, I'm not saying 
I'm not saying that's how it should be, but I know that's how many people live their life. Because we live in a very capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. We live in a society where it feels like it's kill or be killed. So I don't put any blame in the people who don't take into consideration in terms of like racist or homophobic candidates. Because I, I almost feel like they're doing it to protect themselves. Right? Because we vote based on, let's be honest, we vote based on who we think is the best candidate at that time mm-hmm. and who we think could best support the most amount of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a way that if it because unfortunately we have a two party system. Yeah, I agree. If you don't have you know a lot of queer people, you don't have a lot of people of color in your community. No, you're not going to care because mm-hmm. your media isn't going to talk about those stories. Your family isn't concerned with those issues. Your partner is not concerned with those issues, right? So it's. It's that echo chamber. It's that bubble. So, yeah. I mean, I get that it's absolutely wrong, but I also understand how it happens because oh. it's because of how our our nation is even geographically set up. We were talking about the fact that Ohio is a purple state. Well, yeah, that's because it has blue bubbles in a red fucking sea, right? <laughs> it's not yeah. integrated. It's blue islands in a red sea. Yeah, that's, that's the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's going to continue until they actually integrate with each other, which they almost never will. Mm-hmm. Because we have such strong ideologies of how the country should be run, and because the ideologies are so, so far dispatched from each other, I feel like we as Americans will almost never come to a cohesion of being purple. Because we, we have been so ingrained to believe that it should be red versus blue, and that's it. You're either red or you're blue. The third parties don't matter. There should not even be a third party to begin with. If you're not red, you're blue. And if you are blue but you don't vote, that's a vote for the red. If you're red and you don't vote, that's a vote for the blue, right? Because that, mm-hmm. that's what we have been taught. That is what we have been trained and brainwashed to believe. This almost sounds like one of those fucking, like... Man, we're about to get blacklisted. We're about to get McCarthy, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I love it. That's how we go out. I knew it was going to go out this way. So it's... Politics are personal. Stop trying to pretend like they're not. There's something very important you mentioned earlier. We could bomb Syria in a month, but still struggling to get stimulus checks to people who need it, right? Because in those politicians' eyes, for some of them, we are just numbers. We are stats... We are, seriously, we're not, we are votes. We're votes that get them into a position where they can make more money off. And that's what, Americans built on money. We went to war over taxes. I, do me wrong, like, I mean, I grew up in an old family. I, I think America has some amazing things. Great things in science. I mean, we've come a long, long way. We have a very dark past. Very, there's some some flaws. There's definitely some like flaws with the systems built. Maybe just maybe, the government that was created by a bunch of rich people 250 years ago isn't the perfect system, and that's okay. We can make edits. We were the model for it. There's other countries that have like adopted it, that have like created different parties. But it's okay to not be the greatest system we could be the 
No. You know, greatest country in the world if we tried. But we but. already are. Nothing should change. And also, <laughs> why change to begin with? Change takes work. Change takes effort. This is the country where I deserve to live my luxury life without putting in any sort of effort. Because I see others do that. I see people on Instagram who have millions of dollars purely just for being born. Why aren't I like them? Why should I have to work, but she doesn't? It's got to be because somebody else has taken my job and prevented me from being work, from me from being rich. It's just tough. And it's funny because I think at one point you said, uh, the point when you mentioned like it's a killer be killed sometimes in America, which is hilarious, the idea of survival of the fittest. That does exist. Survival of the fittest exists. Not for human beings. Because with evolution, which, you know, whether you believe in faith, whatever, um, I think... Faith can tie in hand with evolution. I think there's some things that matches up. I'm not getting into that argument. But if you believe in evolution, you believe in survival of the fittest, right? Um, humanity put all of its survival points into coexisting and working together. We're not the fastest creatures on Earth. We're not the strongest. You 1v1 a predator that's not like one of those tiny jungle cats like not like a panther like a, with those like small barely bigger than a house cat like wild cats live in like Africa or South America humans lose 9 out of 100 times lose to a bear almost every time cougar, wolf, whatever humanity is not built for that physical survival we put all of our points into the fact that we got these two little thumbs and that we can work together that's where we put all of our evolution points and it worked so now that we've done that, and we've created a society and civilization, all people working together, we have to find a way to work together. Because at the end of the day, we're all people. The color of our skin is based off how close we are to the equator and how our skin needs to react to the amount of sun we get. Us whites, us honkies like myself, we're very white because we're from Northern Europe where it's not very sunny. So we need to be able to collect as much vitamin D as we can. And if we move farther south towards the equator, we get burned, so we see it in the cold. <laughs> Taurusy, your answer is probably from closer to the equator, so you were darker to prevent the sun's rays. That's the only difference. <laughs> like, it's... It, and then, well, as you develop, you get into different relations in terms of like war history and how civilization were formed. whole different argument. But fundamentally and physically that's really it our features are based off of where we lived in the world that's it some of america's greatest inventions are really shuffled between the races like the amount of like inventions that black americans americans made once they were given those opportunities or honestly even while they were still slaves or free blacks in the 1800s is remarkable and is very important to the progression of the modern era in america itself like I think that's the thing is that, and this is definitely a point of privilege as a white person talking about this, like as a kid being taught that like, oh, these things happened. There was the civil war that freed the slaves. And then this very Americanized whitewashed education, which we probably got as well, was that civil war ended slavery in the 1960s ended racism. And that's what I was taught. Because I lived in a military community. That's what I believe as well. Because I didn't like actually see it. 
and now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, well, racism definitely existed while I was... Well, it definitely exists now in the military. And as a kid, I didn't know it was that. And now, like, as you get older, you have to you have to have those hard conversations. Like, okay. And I have to adjust my reality from what I was taught. And, like, these microcosms and echo chambers, like you talked about, you, you have to take that effort to learn. Like, as a kid, like, I didn't... Military family until I moved to the U.S. I didn't consciously know people in the LGBT community because at the time I probably did know people that were. I didn't know because maybe it was an environment where they didn't feel comfortable to come out. And honestly, like looking back, I get it. Like, definitely get it. So it wasn't until like high school that I like, you know, learned more took more worldly classes, met people from backgrounds and orientations and religions that like really opened my eyes. I was like, oh damn, maybe the things that are taught aren't quite right. And at first it is definitely like a wall. It's like that that can't that can't be right. This is what I was taught. This is what I know. Right? Like I have these expectations this is what I, this is happening in my life. Like how could that be wrong? And then you get into the person perspective and like, oh, okay. This is different. Maybe these are like. It goes back to remembering that other people are real people. That's kind of the fundamental issue is when you forget that people are people, we get this kind of hate and division and inequalities, conflicts, and I don't know. Can it be solved overnight? No. But it's stupid to not try, I think. It requires two things that weirdly sort of in my opinion kind of contradict each other we have to love and respect everyone as human beings to understand that we're all human no matter what and recognize the fucked up shit we've done to each other in our past and not just dismiss it in the way that we have in our american educational system where it's just like slavery happened it was a thing and in the civil war ended it all and you can thank this white man for fixing the situation for you by the way and it's like what really slavery slavery that's it what okay we done and that's the work i feel like most people generalization i'm going to make older generations aren't willing to put in that work no correct Uh, i'm gonna say this ruby bridges 60 something the people that did not want her to go to that did not want schools to be integrated are still alive and are still voting today. That's my argument. Mm-hmm. It's very... I gotta give credit. It is smart and a good move for the whitewashers of history and the people that will make America look great to make the civil rights era look farther in the past than it is. Like when I was going to school in the early 2000s, I was like, oh, the 1960s. That's so long ago. When I was going to school... Ruby Bridges had only it only been forty years since mm-hmm. she'd been able to go to integrated school. Right? So now what? It's fifteen years later? Fifty five years ish? I can't remember if she went to the sixties or fifties. Either way, even if it's the fifties, only sixty years. That puts the people that you see in those pictures that are yelling at those students going into the school in Little Rock at Or our grandparents. They're grandparents. They're great-grandparents. They're still, like, 
When people are like, oh, you know, that's just grandma. She'll say racist things. I don't give a fuck if your grandma's old. She's saying racist shit. Stop it. Like, is it like that person's still voting. And like, what a matter of me, a more angrier me will be like, old people shouldn't vote or drive. But that's <laughs> ableist. But also sometimes I believe it when I'm on the road. You're like, what? Don't order for the table if you don't. don't that's, that's a good argument. I stand by that. I will go to Congress and like there are people in this room that shouldn't be able to vote because they'll be dead in a year and they'll be like oh you're gonna kill us like no you're gonna kill yourselves your bad habits McConnell also I might kill you McConnell no one's getting that poor you're gonna listen to this and also Mitch McConnell from the bottom of my heart I'm not inciting violence upon you but I will cheer and I will piss on your grave when you die I'm not advocating for violence upon you I don't think anybody should hurt anybody but when natural causes eventually take you, I will be unbearable. I'll be so mean. I'm going to treat your funeral like a sporting event. I'll make signs. I'll fundraise. I'll cyberbully your kids. Oh, no. You do this like every four episodes where you make a statement and I'm like, I <laughs> I don't know if I should edit this out. I, I know this is a part of the risk of like doing For advertisements, comedy, we should do like, like a collection of Dakota's questionable takes. <laughs> <laughs> well it's always about killing like very important are they white important people. though like, are they important Jeff Bezos he's not important he's a shitty person oh my god have you heard what Amazon is workers I didn't say I, I'm not advocating I'm not telling anybody to kill anybody I am no you said you were gonna do it <laughs> So <laughs> that's my issue. It's the fact you just laugh. Starting, starting now, <laughs> starting this episode four. I am not advocating for anybody to kill anybody. I am just expressing that I will not be sad when certain people die. Therefore, I cannot be sued and I cannot go to prison. That's how the government works. Going forward. Anyway, my heart's stance is that if a rich person gets away with it, I can get away with it. Bang. Um, what was I saying? Yes, civil rights era, the American education system plays it to be far more in the past than it actually is. The people, Mm -hmm. many, 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 many people that were living in that era are still alive today. Uh, John Lewis died last year, if I'm corrected. Last year, two years ago? Last year, right? Last Last year. Like, Martin Luther King Jr. was born the same year as Martha Stewart. Like, it's not... Which also the same year uh, Anne Frank was born, actually. Like, the way... <laughs> which is very interesting, the way, like, as somebody who loves history, um, I understand the way history is taught, that we think these things are so far away. Like, it's really not. Like, yes, World War II veterans are dying out. That's because they were, like, usually 18 and 20 when they enlisted. But World War II was only 80 years ago now. 80, 70 years ago. 80, 75 to 80 years ago now. But, like... It's not as long ago as we are taught in history classes because of the pictures. There are colored photos of Martin Luther King and other famous civil rights leaders. I think that is, like I said, I think it's a great tactic on the behalf of the whitewashers of history to paint these images as more black and white, make them seem older, put them in the light of like, oh, it's the 1800s, picture. It's, oh, it's the 1960s, it was so long ago. It's like, oh, wow, my grandpa was born in 1940 and he's probably gonna live for a while. But you don't put that together as a kid, right? You're like, oh, this is black and white, it's so old. 
And you forget that these people who were against it then, I'm not going to speak for a lot of them. Had kids. They might, well, had kids and taught them their shitty views. But even if they didn't, even if they were just really ugly and just couldn't get laid for 60 years, they could still be voting the way they were voting then now. So I think people forget that. And there's this disconnect between whatever that is. That's why I love history so much. And as a kid, I loved it. And I tried to like push to my scholars because like history can be boring, but like it's important for you to see how the things then are impacting us now. And again, that's the privilege of living the present too. It's like, because when you're living it, time is not linear. Like you don't understand the connections until you get to look at it later. Like looking, like looking at my life now, I understand how I got here. But if five years ago I looked at my life and no more be his, like how the hell would I get here at all? It doesn't make any sense. I went to school for theater. I'm living in New Jersey teaching. That doesn't make any sense. But like because the way time works, <laughs> yeah, you too. But it's like I live in Indiana. Yeah. What like, we have the benefit with history to see how it progresses, and we get to see the tropes. And America does a great job of preserving its legacy with the way it teaches history. And the way it goes back to the beginning of this conversation, it like kind of tricks people into putting their aggressions and issues elsewhere and not with the true causes. And also guilting people into not our government disguises itself as being a government for the people while simultaneously creating rhetoric and messaging where if you question the government you are deemed un-American and against us I will say for the modern era one of the worst things I'll say when the what caused what we have now is when JFK said ask not what you can do for your country that's not what your country can do for you. That's what you can do for your country. That's one of the worst things a politician ever said. Because that put their government, that put the government at a different point. Because the Republicans could run away with that. It's like, oh, the government is meant to serve you. These are public servants, elected officials. When people are like, oh, the government's not supposed to take care of you, then what the fuck is the government for? That's my question. <laughs> the worst. Uh, JFK got killed by the CIA. I will say that. But like, <laughs> the worst thing. JFK ever said that dictates how we live today is when he said that ask not what, you can, what the country can do for you ask what you can do for your country because it flipped the script the whole point of when we created America was that like the government should be answerable to the people because the issue with the king like he wasn't answerable but he's a monarch he was like you know chosen from God as a chosen bloodline that was the point of the American system is that the people are choosing their leader so that the public officials are answerable to them so when they flipped the script with that and gave the federal government and state governments more rights and more power, it's like, oh, you're just anti. And then it goes to McCarthyism and then, you know, Reaganism and all that. But, like, that put the government on a different pedestal. I don't give a shit about the government unless it's doing something to serve me. If you're not helping me at all and make my life worse, why should I give you tax money? Right? The whole point is these are elected officials that are meant to, like, serve the people. Not to get rich quick, not to go buy different houses and escape to Cancun in the middle of a winter storm and affecting constituents. Cruise, you piece of shit. You're another person that I put on the McConnell list of like, I'm not advocating for your death, but I'll be happy when it comes. There are many politicians that my kids would be like, 
why are we celebrating today? It is the day Ted Cruz died of whatever natural causes. <sighs> oh boy. If it makes you feel better, Chorus, there... I'm the one who'll go to federal prison for these views and not you. <laughs> well, no, I'll probably be shot dead. Ooh, no. Um, Let's be honest. The... <sighs> Fun fact. Interesting fact. If the American people just didn't pay taxes, what would happen? Nothing. Labor rights consistently work. Labor movements work when you have to... <laughs> this goes into... Yeah, if if the entire... You have, that's the issue with labor movements and strikes. I, yeah, we need every, every single person. person. That's yes, the issue with but... strikes. Is like you can't have people to cross the picket line and stuff like that. But like... Also... This goes into the police force. Um, the origination of the northern police forces and the southern police forces were both for catalyst gains. The first police forces in the north were used to, prevent, uh, were used to protect company interests in your bigger harbor cities like New York City, but primarily Boston in like the 1600s. It's like people like guard like um, imports and stuff like in the harbors before they got to loading and stuff. And in the South was slave catchers. The origination of the American police force was for capitalist gains. One was more capitalist, aka the North, and the South was more racist because they had different reasons, because more for agrarian issues, as the South was at the time. And then eventually the police force. And then as you move farther, it, you get like your towns where the people that were like your guards and stuff, people that were hired for like you know, these guard watches or night watches were your less desirables in society, like your public drunks and stuff. Like, okay, we don't really do anything. So your punishment is you have to be on, like, town watch, whatever, for, like, outlaws or, you know, animals. You live on the frontier and shit, right? So so still more slave labor. Oh, never since. Then you got paid for it, and then you get these bullying systems. Like, police forces in the late 1800s and early 1900s were used to break up strikes. You know, they killed people. You have issues, like... One of the things I learned about in high school was like famous Colorado um, like entrepreneurs who helped create Colorado as a state and then really brought its prominence to become statehood. These rich people um, had the violent reactions to the strikes and the mines and stuff. Like in New York, like firemen and police were used as political pieces. Like, oh, I'm not going to go take down fires or like put out fires in this part of town because they don't serve me I'm using police I'm gonna cost certain people fucking I don't know if it's de Blasio it probably was but like the stop and frisk policies in New York even in the past five years were instrumented to primarily profile profiling is racist in itself but I mean the amount of like white kids that you know that smoke weed that didn't have any issues happen in the college versus people that might have gotten MIPs in college that were a different ethnicity, right? Policing in America yeah. is inherently racist. Is every police officer racist? No. What the system is, and that's what the argument is. That's the whole argument. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to Dakota's rant right here on Keep It Wander It. Because I truly did not contribute a lot to this episode. It was nice to kind of see you just kind of like go off. Yeah. I really Although I wonder, I wonder, 
if I should have talked more, eh, whatever. We can, we can, um, we can come back to this. No, because I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> if I wanted to talk, I would have said something. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening to the, listening to this episode of Keep It 100 with Dakota and Chorsey. If you like this episode, then please, please, please give us ratings and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Share the posts that you see on social media. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagrams or Twitterlings. Um, follow us on all those mediums at Keep It 100 underscore pod. Um, yeah. Check us out next week for another episode when we're going to talk about some shit we have not discussed yet. Cue music. <laughs>